Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed M, Mike, and myself, Steve. Short staff, but lots and lots of good stuff to talk about and plenty of brain power. All right. So, well, Hello, gentlemen. What's that? Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mike. And viewers. So I'm looking for the pride colors here, guys. I'm not seeing much. <laughs> Our pride is an internal thing, Stephen. Your pride. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess we have to talk about Target. Uh, bullseye. Do we? I don't know. First of all, I have not been in a Target in many years. Not that I go to many stores at all anyway. I know they were supposedly going to be boycott years ago with the bathroom controversy. Um, either of you ever shop in Target? Um, uh, not recently, but only because in my new location, it's not really convenient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I, don't, I barely go to any kind of store because I give my money straight to Jeff Bezos <laughs> and his new uh, girlfriend and his $500 million yacht that I hear he has. Yeah. But, um, I guess the only questions are the obvious, what is Target thinking or... Most people do get away with it, so who cares? Or is this the ESG pressure from the Black Rocks, et cetera, that they don't care if they lose customers? Does anybody learn anything from Bud Light, which I believe is still going down? Uh, well, are, are they thinking? I don't know if they're thinking. Maybe they are. They are. I don't know. Well, they came out <laughs> with a statement, you know, that this is so Did they? Yeah. Okay. So. See, um, to me, I, you know what I look at? I look at. I look for the answer at what's going on with Fox News. Nobody mistakes Fox News for being on the left or for being, I mean, they are being infected by the left and wokeism, yeah. but it's not the same, it's not the same thing. And yet they're making decisions that are obviously not grounded in what a profitable company would otherwise be doing. There's something going on behind the scenes. There's something besides maximizing viewership and, and advertising revenue behind the decisions and I right whatever it is that's driving Fox Fox News it's driving Target and it's driving Bud Light and it's driving all these companies yeah well it's interesting because on one of the other shows I, I speculated that there were probably a lot of leftists at Fox News at least maybe in the news division but now I suspect that they are in uh, higher levels at Fox right and I think this is just the, the natural progression of things where organizations on, on the right, because I've seen this, is somehow, some way, leftists start to get in. They get in the door somehow, and they, they start to change the culture. Just like your old, your old employer. No your comment. Your employer at Americans for am, Prosperity. No comment. Hmm. <laughs> Why that AFP is also not so pure? They're pretty pure, but pure on the wrong side. Really? What was Rush used to say? Was it Rush that if you don't fight to stay conservative, you go liberal? I don't remember if that was his quote or not. Yeah, there's some uh, some law that's, I forget the name of the law, but uh, if you, it, and, and in a sense, it makes sense. If, you, if you're not vigilant, you're going to get swept up by the by where the culture takes you. And right now, the culture is taking you in that direction. So I don't know if I shared a story the other day that despite Fox's outward presence, they're quite woke 
inside when it comes to LGBT, you know, agenda, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, that may be so, but I, I think the the real the, the the reason I brought Fox News up is because they're obviously doing something that it it's not profit maximizing unless mm-hmm. there's some invisible hand behind the scenes that's 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 sending profit to them, whether it's you know a BlackRock type situation or some big big behemoth behind the scenes that's paying them money to do things that otherwise look suicidal. Well. I mean, I suspect that it's more about Tucker speaking truth to power, because why? Why, why is Sean Hannity still there? Why? Why is Ingram? Because they were all. I mean, if if this is about the Dominion situation, they they all had guests on. They they they. It seemed to me that they were all part of it. But why Tucker? What's the difference between Tucker and the other two that are on at night? Well, Tucker didn't tell the line nearly as much as Hannity, did he? Well, that's what I'm suggesting is that, you know, he he was speaking truth to power. He was over the target. He was discussing a lot of subject matters that I think they had probably had enough of. And maybe there were there were very powerful people that didn't want that being discussed. But Tucker's Tucker's a great example, I think, of what I'm saying, because, number one, Tucker criticized Tucker was on the air criticizing Sidney Powell in December of 2020. Okay. Okay. He was he was critical of of the of Trump's uh attempts to to undo the election and it took a very long time before Tucker even talked about election fraud and election rigging. Tucker if they were going to punish anybody for for not towing the line on on the election stuff Tucker should have been the last one that they fired. And mm-hmm. on top of that, if you look back, Tucker was the one who really saved Fox News. I mean, they were they were they were blowing they wow. were they were bleeding viewers almost as bad in 2020 as they were as they are right now. And what did they do? They went to Tucker, they they had him put they put him at the top of Fox Nation. They they gave him a lot of editorial control on his show. And he resuscitated them. So, you know, if, if we were talking about a standard company looking to make profits in a normal way, mm-hmm. Tucker would have been the last fall guy, not the first fall guy. Something else is going on. Something else is going on behind the scenes. Okay, well, maybe I'm behind you here, but that we used to believe the idea of a business was to make money. But aren't we far, far beyond that already with CNN and so many of the, these other companies? Money is no longer at all the goal. Of course, ESG is the goal now. I'm saying like nobody <laughs> seems to care at all about things like investors and bottom lines, et cetera. I think well, it's larger than ESG. I think this is, it, we, talk, we talk about fascism a lot. This is corporations and government working together. Mm-hmm. And when the corporations don't, when you see corporations operating where they don't have to worry about profits, somebody is paying them and it's either a government or it's some very deep pockets person, individual on the side. I mean, that's why I suggested BlackRock. It could be somebody else. I'm not, I, you know, I don't mean to pick on just them, but um, something is going on where there, there's some sort of collusion that we don't know about, but they can't they they couldn't exist if they didn't have somebody paying those bills they're not getting customers so they're getting their money from somewhere 
I mean, it, it could be like a combination of factors. Like what you're saying, I think is is true. I think that that's probably at play, but I think a lot of it is getting swept up in, in, in the culture and the wokeness that these companies are willing at times to just shoot themselves in the foot. So yeah. he's arguing that they have to get the money somewhere at some point, right? Because yeah. I thought of it the way you're thinking of it, Mike. That they don't care, yeah. but at some point, how much money can you not make and survive? I mean, well, I mean, it doesn't make money, right? You know, but why don't talk, they care? It's because the money is coming from somewhere else. That's no, we thought they, they don't care, care because well, they don't care if they go broke, so they'll go bankrupt. Who cares? You're saying that the money has to come from somewhere. I'm wondering. Well, I mean, in Fox's case, maybe they they really believe. That. I mean, I shared with with you guys that Megyn Kelly interview with um, uh, the guy from Talking Point USA. Um, and they were basically saying how um, Fox may have totally miscalculated here, that they think that they could just recycle, get somebody else, plug them in, and they'll be fine and roll on. I mean, you know, Tucker was able to do that after um, O'Reilly was ousted. But this time around, they might be wrong. I mean, we're, we're at a different moment. Um, you know, obviously, O'Reilly was uh, pushed out for different reasons. Apparently, um, but I, I think they've they've gotten to a point. I know I feel this way where they've, uh, you know, I feel I don't know if betrayed is the word, but you thought right, Fox was basically the 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 network that had the shows at night that it was your values, right? They were talking about things you cared about, but. In the wake of the Tucker thing, I, I don't feel that way about them anymore. I haven't watched them really since. He was the main draw for me at night. And sometimes I would watch the shows afterwards, but now he's not there to anchor it. I just, I feel like there's no real reason for me to watch them. They've lost my my trust. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Not maybe for me. Not maybe, yeah. It's interesting. Back to Target for a second. So they've caved a little bit or given into pressure a little bit, which I guess this is, is a counterbalance. And is anybody winning on our side because they're caving a little bit or is this like throwing crumbs? You know, apparently like in redneck areas, they're going to move this stuff to the back of the store or something. I, I don't know that they're, they're going to be caving. Our so, side can't win unless we, we have a game plan and have, you know, a list, you know, a demand of what we, you know, what we don't even have a vision of what winning is, let alone, you know, have demands for what we want other than, you know, oh, pull the, you know, they should, they need to stop selling pride stuff to children. You know, being on the right sometimes is just like plugging a hole in a dam and then another one opens up. It's like, we're always on, we're always on defense. The left is always on, on attack for the most part, with, with some few exceptions along the way. Um, you know, I, I've been getting some emails from school boards, uh, school board members in the state, and one of the school boards in New Jersey has completely attempted to stand up and give the middle finger to Phil Murphy and the State Board of Education about all these sex ed curricula that they're pushing and other things too, like CRT. And the left has flash mobs ready to show up at these school boards and just like pummel them into submission. I mean, this is what you have to deal with when, when you're on the right. I know my, my local, school, local school board has had some opposition. 
And this is just typical of the left. I, I mean, I think it's well-funded, but these people can show up in mass, whereas the right doesn't. And you have some people on these school boards that are trying to do the right thing and they're looking for support. I thought the National you know? Association of School Boards got uh, protection from the FBI against that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, in one direction. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think this is typical for the way things have gone in our politics a long time, right? So I guess uh, I have on a the naive right question, um, and maybe I should ask some of my children this who are raising children. Is it possible in this country for your six-year-old to not be exposed to the concept of gay? Well, I mean, I, I told you guys, <laughs> the curriculum for my kid's school Second grade, they were being taught explicitly about private parts. Right. So that's public school. So when mm -hmm. I have family in private school, but yet you can't, if you take your six-year-old kid to a target, they're going to say, what is pride? Right. I mean, it, can't, they're, they're going to find out things from other sources, friends. It's hard to it's hard to shield your child. Kids in private schools don't have friends exposed to that, but a target is a place wow. that they would go. And so you really, if you want to keep your kid in that kind of religious enclave, so to speak, um, you, you can't go to a mainstream store. Steve, can I just segue what sure. you're saying? I'll, not segue, but tie in what you're saying to to the unfolding presidential primary race mm -hmm. Trump is saying that we need to stand down and, and, and not fight the culture wars. And DeSantis is on the other side of that saying we have to fight the culture wars. And I think that Trump is just on the wrong side of this issue. Can I ask if you a question, please, Ed, for clarification here? Yeah. Um, how literally closely has he actually said stand down from culture wars versus he's just against DeSantis fighting Disney and stuff. Well, I mean, he said point blank that he, that DeSantis's position on abortion is, is that we need to not take a position on that and that we need to take the Dobbs decision literally, although he didn't say it so articulately. He, he, he thinks that we just need to, you know, leave it to the States, which, we do need to leave it to the states, but uh, to to stand down in the culture war means to cede the, the territory to the mm -hmm. left because the left is willing to fight it. And, you know, you just ask the question, you know, can our kids avoid gay? Can our kids avoid pride when they go into these stores? And as long as people on our side of the aisle are counseling standing down in that war well then of course they're not going to our kids are not going to be protected right. because so I'm, I'm just asking so you're right he's commented on abortion he's obviously you know mouthed off about the disney thing has he ever said we need to stay away from all the culture wars or he's just in these areas i mean he hasn't said it but i, I you have to be able to integrate what he's saying i mean if, if his defense is uh i'm i'm uh I'm a pragmatist that doesn't integrate what I say with with any larger theory. That really doesn't that doesn't bode well for him either. I mean, his words have meaning. He's going to be the you know if he's if he wins the presidency, he's the leader of the free world. And See, I don't take him seriously because he's just saying the opposite of whatever DeSantis says. But I totally agree with you that 
that is a big gap between the two of them, at least right now, this culture war business. And I hope to, and pray that Trump's on the wrong side and people realize that. Of well, course, I, you know, with I, the polls, who knows? I think, again, the, the problem he, ha- he has is DeSantis is the culture warrior. And everything that's happened with COVID and everything else for the last few years, it, you know, he's taken that and run with it. And for Trump to attack him, what's he going to attack him on? You know, he's got to try to thread that needle. And it's very easy for him to, to make a mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's going to have a really hard time attacking him on this stuff. Well, he doesn't need to because he's up by a thousand percent in the polls. Well, the, I don't believe the polls for a minute. Uh, we Listen, these po- polls early on in these primary races are, are never good, right. They're just not. I mean, that's what President Giuliani says. Talk talk to me in in six to eight months. I don't ever want to overestimate or underestimate the stupidity of Americans. But how many Americans are awake to the fact that if we have no culture, none of this garbage matters? And Ed, like you say, how you've evolved over years because you can't ignore these culture wars. Um, You know, let's move on to the NAACP, you know, for a moment. This idea that they're going to boycott a state. Now, for those of us who believe make America states again, I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, You know what? This is what absolutely has to happen. Stay out of Florida and seed. We wish to God they would seed, you know, a few states to the right and leave them alone. But this culture war is so ubiquitous and people are getting to such heights of insane. Apparently Whoopi Goldberg, who I really couldn't care less about, but I guess she has some viewers, has just come out with some statement that the gays are gonna rise up or something against DeSantis. <laughs> now I'm sure if you know somebody on the other side said that, they'd have the FBI breaking down the door ready tomorrow. But this war is so out of control. Obviously I say, let states be states again. And maybe the NAACP is seeing it that way. Maybe the guy will move out of Tampa. But otherwise, we're just going to kill each other. Well, the woke side is so irrational that the more it succeeds, the closer it comes to burning itself out. I mean, they can't. I mean, if you look at what they're doing, I mean, what are they going to what if they succeed in in destroying all these young people? This there literally is no country left it, it, the more they succeed, the more they destroy, the more that they... Yeah, but they, that's Adley Shrug stuff. I mean, they don't care. I, I, I get it that they don't care, but... I mean, you, you... I just have a hard time thinking long-term that they're, that they're going to be able to succeed long-term. I mean, I, I, they're, they're a powerful force right now, and they're, in many ways, seem to be ascendant, but... So, you I, know, go back to Galt's speech. Because they know we're always going to be there to bail them out. There's always going to be a capitalist somewhere who's going to keep the steel mills running, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, what, what are they thinking? Yes, to destroy. You know, I was listening to somebody talking about the energy business today. I can't remember who it was. But, you know, we're going to close this mine and close this factory and close this, this, close that, close this. And up the uh, electricity demand by 50% because electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. It can't work. Apparently, there are already states and power companies talking about blackouts 
towards the summer because we're going to have a hot or, summer or something. Or, or I mean, even what if, are they thinking? Or, I mean, or you can go to the the other stories that you shared with us about the migrant crisis and Eric Adams in New York City, right? I mean, but that that's sort of illustrating my point. He's his po that policy is so irrational and it's being implemented. And what's it doing? It is destroying New York City. I mean, they can't survive. We don't need to. I mean, we should destroy them. We should beat them up. I'm not saying we should s surrender in these culture wars. I'm just saying I don't even know if we're going to need to pummel them or, or have civil war the way you're talking about because they they can't. The, the implementation of their policies is self defeating, and we're so seeing I it in New York a, City. I think there's a difference between the immigration thing. And the other thing, and by the way, I mean, this immigration thing in New York is so ridiculously out of control. Apparently, Eric Adams is going to court to suspend his right to shelter law. I mean, they're literally eating each other up alive in New York City right now. But that's because it's affecting them. But going back to Atlas Shrugged, the electricity won't affect them. They'll find a way to get electricity for themselves. It's only going to affect the rubes. I mean, it was brilliant what they've done with immigration because, yeah, it's so in their face that the left is going bonkers. I mean, Ed, what do you mean by burn itself out? I mean, I hear what he's saying, that it's gonna destroy them, but, and I, he has a point with immigration because it is destroying them. New York City is going nuts. I mean, not only is it going nuts, but I mean, they're losing tax revenue. I mean, one of the articles you shared talked about how the hotel tax revenue is, is being eaten away by all this money that is going towards how, sheltering these migrants. Right. So the tax money, I don't think is what's going to bug them as much because the tax money they're going to get from you guys outside of New York. They're always going to get bailed out that part. It's just the idea of these migrants taking over the hotels and the dangers and everything else. That's what I think they're struggling with even more than the money. Because Biden will bail. I think McCarthy is going to be able to bail, get money through Congress to bail them out. I don't think so. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You use the C word. What's that? McCarthy. No, Congress. Since when does Congress authorize funds? I must be missing something. So Biden can't just write a check for $100 million and send it to New York? I don't know. Today, under he's trying under to the 14th Amendment, he thinks he can. But. He, he can, but what did I just see today? Biden just cut back. He was going to send $200 million to some Chinese company or something, but the Republicans made a stink, so he won't. I mean, we just send money willy-nilly. So, and trust me, if it's a difference between the government shutting down or bailing out New York City, in the end, they'll bail out New York City. I think the immigration part, they're bothered by much more than just the money. They're literally overwhelmed. I mean, look at them. We have 60 immigrants. This is impossible for us to handle. And Texas is like, yeah, and we have 20,000 in a little village town, you know, smaller than Times Square. Like, hello, and that's what they're struggling with. So I agree with you on immigration that is destroying them. I just don't see it destroying them on energy because what are they thinking? They're thinking that their planes will always be fueled. I mean, in Atlas Shrugged, weren't there blackouts in all the areas at yeah. some point? Mm -hmm. But they didn't care. They didn't surrender because of that. I, I tend to think that there's always something else that they find to destroy. I mean, I mean, I couldn't. No electricity. What else can you destroy? Now, why aren't they afraid of being destroyed? Sorry. Why aren't they afraid of being destroyed? 
Yeah, I mean, they don't well, care. Because they think that they have an endless supply of money. But I think that I think Eric Adams is is letting on that the supply of money is not endless. And I think he's panicking that it's not endless and he doesn't know what to do. So reality is forcing him to do what needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I think the money's more endless than some of the other stuff. You know, if we don't have energy, if we don't have antibiotics, if we don't have lithium, I think that's even more dangerous than not having money. Because we could have all the money in the world, but if China doesn't give us those things, what do we have? So it's very hard to know, because you're right. What is the left thinking? How far can they go with this stuff? It's funny, I thought you were going slightly in a different direction when you said if they accomplish what they want, um, I forget what the words were that you used exactly, but I was thinking more in terms if they accomplish what they want and everybody in the world is a transgender. That's sort of where I thought you were going. <laughs> and and then what? Then well, I they don't need everybody to be transgender. That if they get enough people to be transgender, they're gonna they, they you don't need a hundred percent of the population to go that way to destroy a civilization. Yeah, I actually thought you were asking more in terms of, you know, like what Rush used to say when they got gay marriage, what will be the next fight? Like right. when you say, what is the goal with the pride business? What is it they want? They want us to bow down once a day, three times a day. We all have to wear pride clothing. We all mm -hmm. have to be, what is well, it? It's obvious want? the next battle is pedophilia and, and getting removing age of consent laws. Yeah. And by the way, I think it's kind of interesting if we were to ask the woke, we surrender. Tell us what you want. What would they say regarding pride? They wouldn't admit that we that we surrender. They would they wouldn't stop until we're dead. Or, okay, so kind of be like the Spanish Inquisition. They torture us for being closet based people. I guess uh, you're probably right because they, they can't win. That would be the worst thing that could ever happen to them. Well, there's always well, another grievance. There's always another grievance. Well, that's what I'm right. asking. What What's next besides pedophilia? Yeah. What well, that's, what, that's kind of what I was saying before. That's why I was asking, Ed, like, what do, you, what do you mean by, like, sort of the end game or um, that it will burn itself out, I think you said. Because I, I just see them moving on to the next thing, the next thing, stuff that we haven't even thought of yet. I mean, <laughs> I never thought I'd live to see men playing women's sports and, right, you know, so it's like... <laughs> What the hell's next? I don't I don't know what comes next. Yeah, pedophilia, maybe. That's now they said they're sending Sam Brinton to a man's prison, meanwhile, which is kind of interesting. Of course, that'll probably be a lawsuit and he, she, they will probably win. Um, I just saw a story right before we got on. Um, I don't even know what this thing means. This lady, Hannah Aaronsman, who apparently was some kind of cycling champion and won 35 mm -hmm. competitions is retiring right. because she lost to a transgender. Mm -hmm, now, is mm -hmm. that going to burn itself out? Like there won't be any women to compete against? And then what? Like what, what would happen if every woman, and no, I'm not telling you what a woman is, but if every woman says, we're not competing anymore, mm -hmm. would they no longer? Well, that's what, the, that's what they should be doing, that's right? What Riley Gaines is advocating. Talk, and there yeah. are women that are starting to, to wake up to that's the solution. Well, Ed, I mean, Except we for how sad it is for your daughter who spent her entire life, you know, trying to get I mean, we, we talk about the concept of not lending moral sanction to things. Well, that's how you you do it. All, all the girls should right. get, off, get off the damn field. Right, but what would you say to your kid, Mike, if you have a 15-year-old daughter 
who spent every waking hour in the last 10 years trying to compete. Okay, well, the, sometimes this is what you have to do to fight injustices. I mean, it, it sucks. That it sounds good to This you. is the, cra- the crazy freaking world we're, we're living in. But what, what is the other solution then? You keep competing against... Well, the other solution is men? longer term. Nobody else should be doing that. But the poor people who have given up their lives for it, it's kind of hard to cut them out. That's all I'm saying. As a parent, that'd be very difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, it comes to mind when we boycotted Olympics in the past. I mean, <laughs> well, very much so. Yeah, like, I, think it's, yeah. I think it's basically the same thing that, that the Black people had to say to themselves and their families when, they, when MLK organized the bus boycott in Montgomery. You know, how many of them said, well, if we don't ride the bus, we can't get to work. We can't feed ourselves. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to take a stand and do something bigger. No, I'm saying because there's a difference between adults and, and children. That's all I'm saying. For adults, I agree with you totally. Mm-hmm. Children, so as a, as a parent, that's what I would say to my child. I mean, that this the, is a larger right. issue. You know, you you know, you love swimming. You love baseball. You love bat, whatever, volleyball, whatever your sport is. You love competing. I'm not telling you to stop competing. We should continue to have you compete and yeah. we'll continue to enroll you in in competitive events that only involve girls. But yeah, we're not going to let this continue to go as it's going because it's going to eat you up. I, I think if there's one thing that kids do understand, it's when something is unfair. Right. <laughs> what kid when they were. Yeah, that's, kid, an interesting said, that's unfair. That's unfair. I think they understand. That's intuitively. So yeah, play it on that. And yes, unfair, they do understand. I think we're born with that somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily understand why. And I assume that if the left could pull that out of your brain, they'd probably take that out first. You know, <laughs> but- Well, the, the AI might get there first. I don't know, so. Okay. So what's going on with this, this story that I don't totally understand in North Carolina, the governor's declaring a state of emergency over school choice. Are you following that, Ed? Um, a little bit. What I'm is, what is he fighting and what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> state of emergency. Well, the emergency is that the Republicans now have veto-proof majorities in both houses of the legislature. In the, in the election in November, they won veto-proof majorities in the Senate. They were one, one seat short in the House. And then some, some Democrat in Charlotte switched parties a couple about a month or two ago. And the emergency for Cooper is the Republicans can rule without me. That's the emergency. So he's, he's not actually to... stating that's the emergency, right? I mean, it's not that stupid. He's pretty close to saying that. And he's he's trying to um, resuscitate some of the COVID era um, uh, emergency powers that the legislature had otherwise, have, according to my contacts with the legislature, he doesn't have the powers that he says he has. But He's trying to re uh, reinvoke them and lay the groundwork for being able to declare a state of emergency again. Um, the Attorney General Josh Stein is running for governor. Uh, Cooper is term limited in 24, so he can't run again. Um, it, it's unclear how it's going to work out, but that's what's going on. He's trying wow. to, you know, he wants to be able to rule by decree because he can't get the legislature to do what he wants, and he's un. Unlike Biden, who apparently is negotiating with McCarthy on the debt ceiling deal, Cooper does not want to negotiate with the Republicans in the legislature. How close is he coming to actually saying the emergency is I can't get my way? Um, I shared something with you guys where, you know, his his video is that where he says that he's declaring an emergency. He says 
Republicans are looking to use a school choice measure to roll back the rights of of uh, black and brown skinned people. <laughs> so he is saying it. He's saying it pretty directly. But the emergency and, and who, who benefits from, who benefits from school choice? <laughs> I mean, uh, we're forgetting that part. But he but he's obviously he's saying because it's detrimental to these poor kids or something. That's just that's um, their argument. I mean, detrimental, is, detrimental to the unions, I'm sure. <laughs> I assume at a certain point people should just be getting in front of the governor's house and just laughing. I mean, how does somebody even come up with it's so preposterous? Or do we say that COVID, you know, paved the way for this kind of ridiculous, we can call emergency for anything? Well, well definitely be. Sorry? Definitely the second thing. Yeah, I mean, that, we discussed that a lot during <laughs> COVID lockdown. And the only recourse yeah. would be a court to tell him he can't? No, the recourse would be for the legislatures uh, you know, especially a state like North Carolina, where where you have veto proof majorities now, pass legislation that not only revokes Cooper's emergency powers for this particular crisis, but end those emergency powers. Period. Take them out of the law. Well, that, that that's the easy thing. But if he continues to defy, right, well, if, yeah, if, another... they, if they have a super majority, there's another thing that they could do. What? Uh, impeach. <laughs> Do they have that super majority? Is it I mean, amount? Um, I don't know what the impeachment threshold is here in North Carolina. I know the super majority is only sixty percent. It's not two thirds like in, in and people federal. don't like impeaching. You know, it's interesting. I was oh. listening to somebody this morning, and they were talking to Wendy Rogers in Arizona. And apparently there the issue is the state legislature trying to claw back for itself the sole right to determine eligibility in federal election laws, you know, how the ballots are done, et cetera, et cetera. Because apparently the governor says they have a say, Hobbs says they have a say in how federal elections are run. And the legislature is saying that's totally not within the constitution, it's only legislatures. This, and this struggle between, you know, what belongs to the legislature and what powers can a governor pull for himself is kind of interesting. Now, that may be different because election law is constitutional and stuff and it's federal, but. Article two, section one. Right. But, but the governor is saying, you know, that she has powers that the legislature is saying they don't. But I guess you're right, Mike, the ultimate power would be impeachment. But I, I think not only is the number threshold high, people don't like the word they're very unlikely to do that. And even mm -hmm. taking away emergency powers, I mean, we followed New Hampshire a decent amount during COVID. And even before the last election, when the Republicans lost a lot of their majority, now they kind of 50-50, they still had a lot of trouble revoking emergency powers from a governor. Because you only need a few queasy people. Well, I, that's part of the problem with saying, oh, we have a supermajority because we can't trust Republicans to stick together. If you can't a, trust <laughs> Democrat supermajority. They'd all be in lockstep for sure. And can you know how many do you have to pick off? Five, 10? Now, some are saying that McCarthy is going to pull a fast one with the debt deal. Apparently, he made some kind of statement that he's going to lean on 
I don't know, 180 Republicans or something and pull some Democrats and screw the Freedom Caucus or something to that effect. So, you know, who can you trust? And McCarthy seemingly has been pretty decent on this stuff. He's been good so far. I mean, I think that the that the deal that they struck where one person can bring down his his uh, his speakership has kept mm -hmm. him in line. Right. So what somebody was saying this morning was all he needs is to make a deal with, you know, 20 Democrats or something. I'll give you more of what you want if you promise to back me up. Um, on anything in impeachment. Now, I don't know what promises are good for, but sort of like in Israeli politics, we'll back you from the outside. And if he could pull off a deal like that, then he doesn't have to worry about you know, losing his speakership. But in other words, you don't, you don't have to peel off 200 Republicans ever. You only have to peel off a few and you're always gonna have some wishy-washy ones. You notice you never have wishy-washy Democrats, though. Well, we have Manchin, who's, you know, a little bit, cinema, a tiny bit, um, very few. <laughs> very few and very little. It's not like they're real wish. They're not like McCain or... or no, Ron. no, no, you don't get McCain's. That's for sure. Which I, I guess is kind of interesting because it leads my associative brain a little bit to RFK, who's so far off the reservation on a bunch of really big things, but is still a mainstream liberal on so many other things. So he's not going to have the aha moment of, and I don't know where Naomi Wolf stands, but wait a minute, if I was totally conned on A, B, and C, maybe I was totally conned on everything, which Kennedy doesn't seem to have had. No. Not yet. Right. So hasn't gotten off the train yet. No, he's totally gotten off of it on a few issues, but he, still solidly in the yeah. other camp on certain other ones. Yeah. Which is why it's so fascinating yeah. hearing people on the right saying they'll vote for him. But he's he he's gotten off the crazy train on all the all the important issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can fight over, you know, welfare reform later, you know, later on. We can't we can't really fight about covid and forced immunizations and and um you know transgenderism i mean that's something that's that we need to deal with immediately that's not something that can wait 10 or 20 20 you know 10 or 20 years or or even a generation um and i saw he came out really strong after the durham report saying it's appalling you know cia agents collaborating to fix an election but obviously that's close to his heart since he's accusing the CIA of killing his uncle. And his father. And his father also? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't hear that one. Um, but definitely his uncle, which is quite gutsy. And I, somebody was talking about another book that came out about Kennedy that's well footnoted that seemingly laying it on the CIA, which again makes you wonder, so why didn't Trump release that stuff? If we have a real primary on the Republican side, there's going to be a lot of questions for why didn't Trump do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, if we had Ed Powell and, and Daniel here today, they would both tell us that, you know, the president has no power. The, you know, Ed would tell us the president has no power. And Daniel would tell us that Trump was just too nice a guy and he was trying to make everybody get along. 
the reality is he, he has responsibility and he, there were things he could have done that he didn't do. Well, I'm the one who argues he didn't have the power, although to release stuff, he would say, I order you to release stuff. And then he would let them futz around for 12 months. And that's where I have to agree with you that at a certain point, he needs to lay down the law. At a certain point, you can't just say, well, I told him to do it and they didn't listen. And therefore... And I think you're 100% correct. But you know what? If that really is his argument, then he has no business running for president. Well, that's the next big argument. What's going to be yeah. different? I mean, my, like I've said before, my problem with his running again is what's going to be different this time? Um, why would we believe you now when you screwed it up the yeah. first time? But no one's ever going to release the uh, Kennedy files, right? Because no one's ever going to admit what really happens. I mean, why not? I mean, it's it's already been 60 years. Because we're protecting institutions and faith in our institutions. And I don't think we have a lot of faith in our in those institutions anymore. You think? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess it depends in which sense. I mean, are we ever going to defund the CIA totally? I assume not. I mean, if it came out tomorrow that you had documents saying the CIA literally shot Kennedy, what would be the result? They'd say that was 60 years ago. Who cares? Sort of like what Ray said about the Durham report. Oh, this is old stuff. We fixed all that already. So there wouldn't even be repercussions. And in that sense, why not just come out and say it? We fixed it. I mean, isn't that what they said after the Durham report about the CIA? Oh, oh, oh we, we've already made changes. Well, that's what I'm saying. They just said, yeah, this is stuff. No, 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 it's all good. It's all it's good. All good. Yeah. yeah, we're, we're going to behave much better now. Yep. Move on. Move on. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if that would have worked in elementary school. You know, like I'm, I'm better today, so you can't punish me for cheating yesterday. Mm. I already fixed that. Yeah. So. Now, you got a well, story where you are, Mike, where Murphy said, quote, will defy SCOTUS to save lives, rule <laughs> against the abortion pill. Now, I remember yeah. somebody on this show, probably like 154 times, who said, good, the governors need to start defying SCOTUS. I don't know if that's right. what meant, but. That's exactly well, yeah, what it Yeah, I, I knew Ed was going to say that about that story for sure. <laughs> yep. So uh, what can I say? I mean, otherwise. Bill Murphy is a complete clown. Right, but again, would, would a right, uh, red governor say that? Yeah. Well, the, I think DeSantis has taken some... Has he things. said, I'll defy SCOTUS? I don't know if he said that. I don't know if in a particular... Well, implicitly, when he said he would protect Trump from extradition, he, he was saying that. Oh, he's, he's protecting him from a judge in New York extraditing him, but that's different. Right. But I mean, implicitly, how would that be enforced? They go to federal court to try and get a federal court order in uh, directing the governor to extradite. And he was saying, I'm going to I'm not going to obey that order. Yeah. Although I, I, I still think there's a big difference that. And if SCOTUS actually said you have to, he would yeah. find a way to squeeze out of it. Yeah. Of that. By the way, is there anything? I mean, because he's an attorney, correct? DeSantis? Yes. Is there anything? Went to Yale Law School. Right. Is there anything in the. Oh, he went to Harvard Law School. He went to Yale undergrad. Yale undergrad. Anything that you're ethically barred from saying you don't have to listen to SCOTUS? Is there such a thing? I mean, there's not supposed to be such a thing, but. 
um, you know. I mean, could you file a complaint against a lawyer for saying that because you're like an officer of the court or something? Technically, sure. I mean, we swear, we just like in the military, we swear an oath to defend the the Constitution and the laws of the United States. If, if he says we're going to, uh, that he's going to defy the, the Supreme Court, I suppose that they could come after him in the same way that they came after Giuliani for zealously advocating for his client. So for, is, is Murphy a lawyer? No, no, he, he works for Goldman Sachs. Right, right. He's a business. I don't think he's a lawyer. Right. Um, and I guess that would be kind of interesting if a right winger were to say, I'm going to not listen to SCOTUS. I assume mm -hmm. somebody would file some kind of complaint somewhere. Yeah. But just remember against that Murphy or against DeSantis. If a right winger did it, I think somebody would complain against a DeSantis and go after it through the bar. Oh, of course. Of course they would. Of course, uh, the the irony doesn't escape me about how he's. He wants that abortion pill because it's going to save lives. <laughs> you realize right? how crazy you sound? <laughs> and that really is the problem. We we can actually say this and not realize how insane it is. We, we, need, we need unfettered access to abortion pills to save lives. To save lives. That most people won't even realize how sick that is. How crazy, how crazy are we nowadays? Now, Ed, did you read this story about Gorsuch condemning breathtaking COVID emergency powers? Yeah, and it reminded me of his split vote in the uh, vaccine mandate cases. Where he wasn't protecting freedoms. Well, with the OSHA mandate, he struck it down, but with the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the... Um, the Medicare mandate, that one survived. You know, I think he voted in favor of that one. You know, I, I have obviously I don't follow him that closely, but my first reaction was my dander got up a little bit. And we know what dander is, I have no idea, but it, it got up a little bit over where was he for three years? Well, that's uh, that was what I was saying. I mean, regardless of where he came out on that particular vote. There were numerous cases that made it to the Supreme Court, and the guy didn't say a damn thing. Okay, so you're agreeing with how thing. I'm looking at it. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's real easy to, to be critical after the fact, but he's not only being critical after the fact, he was in position to do something. He, what, that's what's bothering me, exactly. <laughs> he was in position to do something about it, and even if he had to write a, just a scathing dissent, he could have written a dissent. He didn't do it. There was no... there was. You know, when we when those vaccine mandate cases came out in 20, January of 21, you know, I, I pointed out that not a single no one, not even Clarence Thomas, made the issue about whether any government on any level can force you to take a, a, a vaccination. Well, it that's because that old case thing, right? I mean, Thomas is of all of them. Thomas is the one that wants to that doesn't want to pay so much homage to stare decisis. He thinks precedent should be overruled when it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just that one. I mean, the, the way the cases were framed, it was which government, you know, does, is it the federal government or the state government that can force you? Nobody asked the question, does any government have the power to force you to 
take a needle and puncture your skin and inject a foreign substance into your body. Not a single one of those nine justices did. Not Gorsuch, not Thomas, not Alito, not any of them. And so when I read that story from Gorsuch, my, my reaction was, where the hell were you over the last couple of years? Where, where, show me your dissents where you said this was wrong or, or show me these, show me the concurrences where you wrote, you know, I, I'm going to uphold the, 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 this, this limited exercise, but this is, this is, this is not right. And the legislatures need to take their power back. He didn't do anything. I mean, it, he, he's covering his ass right now, which to me is, I mean, I guess it's better than just being silent, but you know, where were you for three years? Well, first rule, if, um, if I agree with Ed Maslisch, that means I may have been correct. So that's a good sign. Um, why would he want a CYA right now? What's in it for him? Don't you usually have to pander to the left, not the right? I don't know. Maybe he just, maybe, maybe he feels guilty about it. I don't know. And where are the rest of them? Does that call them out for not saying something? I don't know. I don't know how the how how the. I, I don't think they honestly. I don't think any of them really cares. Seemingly, because you have to wonder, they were the final arbiter who allowed everything to happen on some level. And there's been a lot of this kind of you know self recrimination. Oh, we really went too far. Oh, we really shouldn't have let that happen while they were doing it. You know, even Fauci with I didn't really say that, and you know. <laughs> I never told you to close a school. Show me one school I told you to close. And all this right. weakling out of it. Uh, so, and even yeah. what's her face, Randy Weingarten? She never closed a school either. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Fauci, Ed, did you want to mention again that that supposed email that uh, you sent through our secret back channels? Uh, that why, don't you go, why don't you go through it? Well, I, I, I remember sending it, but I don't even remember the details. No, you 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 sent it was a copy of an email that supposedly oh. um, Fauci knew at the very beginning. Somebody was telling him exact exactly how the virus was being created, oh. how, how it was created, right? So I I wasn't sure. I think you said it was maybe verified, but I I don't know. It was apparently in some court doc documents that a court released. Uh, yeah, I don't have the I don't have the details for you off the top of my head. Uh, top of my head. So it, we're not we're not one hundred percent certain about that one. But even kind of like my CIA question before, yeah. even if we found out that Fauci, with his own two hands, created the virus and released it on the world, <laughs> would anybody care? Hey, he's an old man leader. I mean, that, that's I a, think Fauci's that Huh? That's, a, that's a scary part of it. I think you're you're right, Stephen. It's just like you can get away with anything. Yeah. So we murdered a whole bunch of people. So what? You know, when Reagan was killing everybody with AIDS, it was a horrible <laughs> crime. When they find yeah. out it was Fauci killing tens of thousands of people with his AIDS vaccine, then it's you know no problem. Oh, the virus. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying. You know. So even if we found out he were a mass murderer, who cares? I think. I think in general, Democrats don't take the fall, but I think that if if DeSantis becomes president, I think there'll be an exception. DeSantis has oh. already been making making noise about going after Fauci, and uh, I think that would be an exception. I, I, I think in general, you guys are right that Democrats don't have to answer to these kinds of things, but I think there would be an exception here. Well, 
I think the other part of it is it would be a crime against humanity. And, and I don't, that means that it doesn't stop at our borders. I, I think other countries around the world would probably want to see some justice if it was that obvious. You know, for some unknown reason, I am obsessed with watching Holocaust documentaries. And the more I see about how many absolute war criminals, crimes against humanity perpetrators, America invited in and literally protected, it's very hard to have faith in any of that. I mean, literally, we protected war criminals who did unbelievably unspeakable things. So principles, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe we'd hang him, but if we thought he could help us in another way, we would, you know, turn the other cheek, so to speak, and it's okay because he can help us somewhere else. So America is not the country I thought it was when I was much, 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 much younger, that's for sure. I think that's a different situation, though. I mean, the the threat from the Soviet Union in 1946 and 47 and 48 was unlike anything that we have today. I mean, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but I don't think it's so un, you know unforgivable and, and und, indefensible that they... Well, I guess I'm going to tie that a little bit to what Mike and, and you know we were talking about before. Is it okay to turn your eyes away from the fact that somebody butchered hundreds of thousands of human beings because you need him to win another hypothetical war? Or do you say at a certain point you need to stand up for principle just like you need to keep your kid away from the Olympics, et cetera. And you know what? We got to do this some other way. If they were never born or if they were killed in the war, we would have found a way. I mean, where is principle at any point? Because we took in some really bad people and I know that's the general understanding we needed them. Well, is there any limit to that? Of course. So, like I say, and I, do I know that all the documentaries I watch are true? Of course, I, do, I, I have no way of knowing if they're true or not. But we seemingly took in a lot more bad people than just Werner Von Brown and a couple other guys. We took in hundreds or thousands of Nazi war criminals and some really big dudes. So... Do we really stand on any principle when it comes to mass murder? Probably not. I mean, even if you want to look at, I've never been particularly anti-war until I became more libertarian. I mean, we, we kill lots of people all over the world and possibly commit crimes against humanity and who cares? I care. Yeah, but there doesn't ever seem to be any, uh, you know, like it would be interesting if DeSantis and, you know, one of the things that worries me about politicians, um, I was speaking to our fearless leader about it earlier today, how little I think they control in their own lives. When, you know, when you run for office, people tell you what you can and cannot do. And when you're in office, they tell you what you can and cannot do. And so Alu is arguing, you know, DeSantis is pretty much his own guy. And, but I always wonder, even when you really want to do stuff, if every one of your advisors says, no, 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 you can't go that far, how many people really, really are leaders and can do it? I just always think back, I think we talked about it on the show in recent weeks about, you know, Reagan's draft of the Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech. Every time he submitted it to his to his writers, they crossed it out. And every time he just put it back in and 
he he just put it back yeah. in on the final draft. Right. He was great on that. He was great on FAA. Um, those were for sure two things he was great on. Um, I, I just I just wonder and I hope that he caved on, on vaccines, he caved on immigration. I mean, yeah, he caved on a bunch of things. He wasn't perfect. Yeah, right. And I mean, in, in the primary, I have no doubt who I would support if I could vote on, you know, in a state where it mattered. But, you know, obviously, I want DeSantis far more than Trump. If only because Trump can't shut his mouth. And so I know we spoke a little bit about this last week, but apparently the judge has once again told Donald Trump what he can and cannot talk about. And that just happened again. Today's the 24th. That was like yesterday, the day before. If he can't stand up to that judge, how is he going to stand up to the deep state? I was about to there, say the deep state he can't sat there silently him. and passively. I mean, why, you know, and, and, and he, you know, the judge even supposedly asked him, do you understand what you can and can't do? And why didn't he just say something? Hmm. I mean, even if the judge struck him out of order, even the judge held him in contempt, why didn't he say, I mean, you know, what was it? Animal house, you know, this whole courtroom is out of order. I mean, that's what he should have said. Especially he since he was in another state at the time. Right. Right. I mean, it's not like they could handcuff him. He should have just said and, and let the judge issue that order that he's in contempt and he's subject to arrest. And I mean, for what? For saying that I should be able to defend myself and I should be able to, to speak up? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, just like just like that libel case. He goes and criticizes that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Jean uh, Carol Jean or whatever her name was. Jean O'Carroll, Carol O'Jean. I don't know. One of those. Right. I mean, he goes and criticizes it and says that it was a that that he never knew her. And it was a, you know, whatever he called a you know, he criticized the verdict. And she files a motion saying that she should increase that the, the judge should increase the damages against him. Why? Because he's not allowed to disagree with the verdict just because the jury spoke. He's not allowed to say that it's that it's that it's BS and he disagrees with it. I mean, this notion that he can't defend himself and is not allowed to speak. It's just it's so unspeakably evil. And, and he doesn't, you know, he, he, he can call the sanctimonious names, but he can't he can't speak up and defend himself. I mean, he's, he's, he's a joke to me. I mean, uh, you know, I don't see how, you know, he, he. You know, as I'm sitting here thinking, he reminds me of my son. My son has no problem talking back to, to his mother or even to me sometimes. But God help him if if it comes to, you know. Out, you know, if somebody out in the real world gives him gives him any grief, he toes that line. He follows authority, no problem. And you know, Trump is the same way. He doesn't disrupt anything. He only he only attacks where he feels like he's safe to attack. You're making some strong points, Ed. That if he can't tell a judge where to put his order when he's in a state that's already said they won't extradite him. And where are his cojones? In a jar at the DNC. It, it really is quite interesting. So, but I mean, I'm assuming that that's what his lawyer is telling him to do. Who hired his lawyer? I didn't. I promise. He hired his lawyer. I mean, that's not if that if you don't agree with that advice, then get a different lawyer. 
Well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you're making a fantastic point. And is anybody out there smart enough to be making this point publicly? I don't know. I just, I see, you know, I see cult 45 all defending him and saying he's the only guy who can drain the swamp. And, yeah. you know, he can't even defend himself. You know, it's funny because I, I, I've been checking the, on the Twitter to see uh, about the whole DeSantis thing. And I, I'm not, I think there might've been a glitch. I don't know. But uh, I caught one person on Twitter, goes by the name of DC Drano, complaining about DeSantis jumping in the race. You know, Trump made you governor. Trump is crushing the polls. Why, why would you enter this race now and divide the GOP? Um, you know, uh, you have, we have to be concerned about the fact that there is cult 45. And if DeSantis wins this thing, are they all going to take their toys and go home? Well, I said that a very long time ago, that that's the horrible danger, is if, that if DeSantis were to win in the primaries, Trump would work against him to become president and would elect a Democrat, any Democrat, which is incredibly sad. I think Trump would campaign oh. for Michelle Obama. I think I think the ego is there, yeah, to, to do that. No, no question about and it. I mean, this idea that DeSantis can't run because Trump supposedly helped him. Uh, Mike, how old's your youngest again? Eleven. Oh, forget it. But this is like three, well, years, isn't it? They say if you want a, you want a friend, get a dog, right? You know, like. I mean, how babyish is this? Is this the first time in history? Where somebody yeah. ran for an office against somebody who may have once helped them I, or something. I said that in another show. Like, stop crying like a baby. This is a grown-up sport, this is isn't it? Politics. This is shut, shut, you shut can't up. run because I helped you, and then he goes around telling the world he came to me but, crying. But now you have people that support him, like this guy on Twitter, a blue check, right? Is basically saying that. Oh, you know, he, he's sometimes good, DC Drano. Um but, I have to tell you, I don't understand that side at all. I think they're insane. Well, I mean, first of all, there's we should want a healthy primary, no matter what, because even if Trump ends up winning it, it, it will make him stronger, hopefully. It will make him better. Hopefully, it'll make him more focused. It's not, gonna, it's not going to make be, Trump anything good. You you may be right about that, because the narcissism might be at such a depth that it, 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 it won't matter. But let's welcome the primary. Exactly. I mean, I hate uh, to competition, competition is a healthy thing, and conservatives believe in competition. Even without that, because you know, mm -hmm. I have a different opinion on that. But the idea of having any respect for somebody in their 70s who thinks it's funny to call people names, again, we're like in three-year-old territory. <laughs> He's here. nuts. I mean, literally, they, but people say, oh, he's, mean been, tweets. he's probably been getting away with that kind of stuff his whole life. Right. It's not like mean tweets. It's like there's something wrong with this guy. And if you can have a primary, why in the world would anybody back him? And yet so many people do. But look at look, what Megan Kelly was saying. I think I shared that interview she, she did um, with John Stossel from a couple of weeks ago. She ended up having to go to his office and finally tell him after the the debate and he was saying bad stuff, you know, enough. And finally, like, oh, oh, okay. But, you know, she said that he, he didn't want to let that go because he felt he could use it to his advantage. It showed that he wasn't just going against 
the the crazy leftist reporters on MSNBC, he was standing up to big bad old Fox too. You know, he's got in a feud with Laura just Ingram like, now or something. I'm sorry. He's in some kind of feud with Laura Ingram. I don't know, but he. This is the way he thinks. Is like apparently he's being with her because she hasn't like 100 committed to him or something. Um, and I always thought she was for quite a while uh, totally on his side, ridiculously. But yeah, he fights with everybody. I can't. I, there's nothing funny about Ron the Sanctimonious. No, I, even, I don't understand it. I don't, that doesn't work as well as low energy Jeb and low water. energy Jeb. Maybe <laughs> again, who calls? I mean, who calls people names after three, four years old? Lion Ted worked. I don't get it. I mean, what am I like in a different universe? It, it worked the first time around. I gotta tell that infuriated me. Lion Ted, I absolutely infuriated yeah. me. What is that? I mean, how about if uh, DeSantis would start calling him uh, Hansy Trump or Rapist Trump? I mean, there's nothing funny about that. It's just stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, DeSantis is going to have to be ready to rise above it, right? And, and, you know, I mean, I think DeSantis is playing it well, not responding to any of this garbage. And I hope nobody tells him to get down in the gutter with this stuff. Just keeping well, that, the thing. That's the thing. I mean, he baited Marco Rubio into doing that the last time around. I think DeSantis is smart enough to know how to handle it. Um, so you, yeah, you, you know, in uh, psychotherapy school, they they tell you never argue with a teenager because by arguing you've already lost. It's mm. a really good point if you have teenagers. The minute DeSantis- I have to remember that. Yes, it's a very good rule. They win by arguing. You, you've lost the minute you get into the argument. And the minute DeSantis would respond in any way to this stupidity, he's knocked his own dignity down. I mean, literally Trump is a three-year-old here in a playground. Well, I, mean, I disagree with that. I think that Ted, Ted Cruz's mistake was not responding to it and allowing the nickname to stick. I think DeSantis- I mean, the nickname hasn't fully stuck on him, but one of the things that he's that he's going to be under scrutiny for is, can he fight back? I mean, how, what would you say? How do you can't fight back against a baby? Like, what do you say? I'm not sure I agree. And I, I think he, he can he could try to rise above it and say, you know what, when I'm when I'm president, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be dignified. Okay. When I'm standing here on this stage, right, he can I'm, fight I'm back gonna on be, policy. I'm gonna be but dignified. not on this desanctimonious guy. We just ignore this babiness. This American people. He got in I'm, trouble when he said, "I don't get involved." What was the thing? Uh, the dressing rooms. Donald, this is part of the problem, and why you get yourself into trouble is this kind of behavior. All right, this is the presidency of the United he, States, and I and I want to bring some dignity to Mike. The Mike. With all due respect, you just won the show. I like that. How about if instead he said, you're right, I am sanctimonious about somebody who still to this day will not back off of these vaccines, who still will not attack Fauci, who has unleashed Fauci on the world and unleashed these vaccines on the world. You're damn right I'm sanctimonious about it. And you think you're entitled to another term in office and that you're entitled to win this primary without even a debate. Well, I'm sanctimonious against that. We're going to have a debate about it, and you're going to need to stand up and explain to the American people why it's okay what you did with Fauci and turning the country over to Fauci for 
for a year and a half. I think if he said that, that would be, you know, standing up for himself and and getting into that fight. And I think he would win that argument. No, I, I agree with you what you're saying now, if you're wrapping the nickname into that, I totally agree. Um, I didn't mean he should go into the just tit for tat name calling stuff. By the way, this 60 seconds should get to his headquarters because I don't think anybody's going to give him such good advice. Neither Mike's nor yours, Ed's. I totally, along. I totally agree with both of you. I love what you did, Mike, because you, you talked him like you're a school teacher and he's a baby, which somebody needs to do at some point, you know, and I love what you said, Ed. Yeah, I am sanctimonious and about what. And by the way, he could have a very, very long list. And that would be interesting. Now, what yeah. Trump would do is just make a stupid face and keep calling in names. And for some reason, Americans are so dumb. I don't, I, again, what do you do with the cultists? Nothing. I don't think that the Republicans are that dumb. I think that the argument needs to be made. And, and Trump needs to be called out for what he's done wrong. And if if and honestly, if DeSantis isn't up to that task, he doesn't deserve to be president. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's he not the right guy, he will right? He's the only chance, I think. Who's going to do it? Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. I mean, Tim Vivek Scott, has the Tim has Scott. the to do it, but it seems to me like Vivek is is just a stalking horse for Trump. I I, I bet you dollar I, I bet dollars to donuts Trump is funding his campaign in some really? way, and and Vivek is is you know, not laying a glove on Trump while he's attacking DeSantis. Interesting. Is he, he is attacking DeSantis? Oh, yeah. I don't know him at all. I don't, I know very little about the guy. He's very wealthy, right? Very wealthy and very Mm anti-woke. And apparently he's like barely old enough or something. I think he's 37. Yeah, that's barely. But actually I'll be... (laughs) A good switch from what we have now, I guess. What do you think of Hillary coming out against Biden's age? <laughs> I couldn't give a damn what Hillary says about anything. Uh, I could does say that, something does, that, does that mean uh, Biden's going to commit suicide soon? Well, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> she's no fan, she's no fan of Biden, but. Uh, she's one of the many people I wish would just go away, but that's not going to happen. Apparently they're going to keep bringing, you know what her and Bill are in their seventies now too. Isn't that amazing? They're old. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think she's like 75 or something. It's crazy. And both hard. They haven't exactly lived a healthy lifestyle. They they could be close to the end themselves. (laughs) Well, at least they'll never inhaled. So he doesn't, you know, but as old as as old as they, anyone gets, Jimmy Carter is still freaking with us. Oh, like I say, heaven must, doesn't want him yet. Must have been something in those peanuts. You know, the other. Day, I don't think either. I don't think either of them wants him, heaven or hell. <laughs> exactly. I was watching a thing about the Oklahoma City bombing. Purgatory awaits. With that, and they had like a thirty-second <laughs> clip of Trump, of Clinton. And what's so sad is, I mean, I could talk all day what I hate about Bill Clinton because that's when I was a big ditto head, et cetera, et cetera. But compared to what we have now, <laughs> right? How how unbelievably sad is that? First of all, he was a much better faker <laughs> than anybody we have now. I mean, his he's faking tears, et cetera, et cetera, was darn good. 
And he probably at his weird level loved America, even in a weird sort of way, more than what we have now, which is total destruction. Not, not more than himself. No, that I don't know. I mean, Bill Clinton is the one who who unleashed the Chinese on us. Yeah, but that and was for money. Yeah. Whereas I think well, how's that different than what Biden has done for I money? I think what, what's worse is he oh, well, Obama, I think, did it on principle. I think I'd rather take the Chinese than Hillary. That's who he really unleashed on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, what didn't we get to today, if anything? I think we did well. I think we did great. As much as I love having everybody else on the show, I think we do great. I probably should cut this out before we send this to them. Well, sometimes trios work well, like, you know. Trios work well. We got, we got the police, cream. There's, there's some that do well. And we have to, I, I guess, at a certain point, I should buy everybody Liberty Block boxing gloves so we can have the knockdown drag out uh, pro and against Trump debate. Well, get Daniel and, and Ed on one side. Well, all I can say is um, I guess game is on now with DeSantis. So the fun begins. It, it should be very interesting. I, I know where my heart is. I guess that's my biggest frustration is why doesn't everybody see it that way? That DeSantis has a lot of advantages and Trump has a lot of disadvantages. Why are they just rolling over? I, I just don't understand. Well, let's see how things play out. I think the answer to your question, Stephen, is that DeSantis has chosen to not engage so far. And that's to me the big issue. If he engages, and if he highlights Trump's weaknesses, he shows that he's the man for the job. And if he doesn't, he shows he's not the man for the job. Well, I think he's still better than Trump, personally, because I don't think he has Trump's baggage. But, I mean, yeah. And thank God for the NAACP. They're finally doing something good for the country. So we'll leave it at that. Okay, next week, we pretty much sure to have Daniel and Ed P. back. And we will see you next week, regular time. Send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. And I wish everyone to have a wonderful evening.